0: With more Canadians being vaccinated, the prospect of safely reopening the economy is on the horizon.
1: But that post-pandemic recovery could use a shot in the arm too. And one place that help could come from is beyond Canada's borders. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is Why.
0: Canada is a country of immigrants. Ever since Europeans landed in North America centuries ago, this land has been the home for generation after generation of newcomers to make a new life. But the coronavirus pandemic puts a twist in this country's history, killing more than 22,000 Canadians
1: and putting a halt to most areas of the economy. And the role of immigrants in Canada's post-pandemic trajectory could be as important as ever.
2: The experience by immigrants when they come to this country is not just related or does not just impact that individual right that immigrant professional and i certainly can speak from this from family experience as well if they've come with a spouse or they come with children the experience they have actually is a family experience it's a family dynamic
0: that's a joe ceo of the toronto region immigrant employment council
2: our scope is finding and creating solutions to help champion immigrant talent in the GTA labour market. And so it was founded 15 years ago with the understanding and the uh, the knowledge that still exists today that many immigrants when they come to Canada have uh, challenges in finding commensurate employment or even employment in general.
0: Hmm. And when you say commensurate, that's commensurate with their qualifications?
2: Commensurate with their qualifications or level of experience in their home countries. So maybe they come here as a director or a senior manager and then are offered frontline positions when they're here.
1: Toronto is the most popular place for new immigrants to settle into the country, with more than a third making the GTA their first home in Canada. That accounts for why 46% of Torontonians are foreign-born, 41% of Vancouverites and 30% of Calgarians were born outside of the country.
0: Broadly speaking, uh, what has the experience for recent immigrants been? Um, and if you want to speak specifically to the GTA, been, what has that experience been during the coronavirus pandemic?
2: Well, I would suggest to you that's probably similar across the country, right? So for those folks who came in the last year or two, this pandemic, whether from a health outcome, and we know that statistically as well, or from an employment outcome, have been more significantly impacted than, let's say, somebody who came eight years ago or somebody who was Canadian-born. And so the, the pandemic really revealed a lot of factors that we already knew pre-pandemic. sort of systemic barriers that might exist or the fact that it is really difficult and challenging when you come here to build and create a network, uh, those, those existed before the pandemic. But the pandemic really shone a, a bright spotlight on some of these systemic challenges.
1: Tell me more about what these systemic challenges have been. It sounds like there's been a bit of a pattern.
2: Sure, exactly. So one of them is how do you build a network when you first come to a country, right? So a, a lot of immigrant professionals are obviously excited and we recruit for the best and the brightest from around the world to come and live in Canada. And if they don't already have existing family or social network or business network, they're starting from scratch. So one of the challenges they have is they they, they may not know where to turn or how do I create a network? How do I network in the Canadian way? And, and that has been, you know, make, increasingly difficult during a pandemic when everything is virtual. So now not only can I not go meet somebody for coffee, I have to try and, you know, have that meeting virtually and try to connect with various groups, maybe an immigrant network or with a service provider, settlement service provider virtually.
0: Yeah. And in in order to have that virtual meeting, you have to have that infrastructure that allows for that virtual meeting, be it a Uh, a a smartphone or a computer.
2: That too, and also just knowing where to go. Yeah. Right? So you might, I mean, you know, I'm assuming that a lot of of folks would Google, you know, I've arrived in Canada, now what? Or something (laughs) along those lines. But it's not inherently obvious, I would say, uh, that, you know, you would look at it for an employment service uh, provider. What are the supports in finding um, employment? So you might Google for your employment, you would find Indeed.com and other sites where, where postings. Are listed, but not necessarily recognize that there's also other supports out there, uh, such as the Triac mentoring partnership, where our community partners uh, work with with uh, recent immigrants to you know prepare them through a number of ways, and then we help match them with employers and mentors in within those employers to help guide them on workplace knowledge and culture, on industry knowledge, and then networking. Really helping them support them to find those. Commensurate roles, or to be employed in their field. Now, uh,
0: I mean, it, it's it's no no surprise, and it's it, or maybe not surprise, no surprise, but it's not news that uh, a lot of these immigrants that come to Canada end up having to find work that is not commensurate with their experience and mm-hmm. their qualifications, and that, to my understanding, has uh, really played out. Uh, in in a negative effect uh, on the just the health of uh of these uh recent immigrants on can, uh, it, during the the coronavirus pandemic in the uh in the article that you penned in the Globe and Mail in October you you pointed to um you know a lot of uh folks in the um what is it Ac- according to Statistics Canada 36% of nurses aides and patient care service associates uh responding to outbreaks and long term care are immigrants uh they and I know in, in the that uh, yeah across the country a lot of frontline workers have gotcha. uh, are disproportionately represented from the immigrant immigrant community um what has um i'm wondering if you have an idea of what the the the, the direct contribution recent immigrants have on the Canadian economy?
2: From a statistic standpoint, I know that RBC released a report last fall as well that said, if we don't come up back up to our uh, immigration levels, right, which mm-hmm. we d- didn't meet in twenty. Uh, <laughs> are we in? We're in twenty twenty one. In, in twenty twenty, that we didn't meet in twenty twenty. That if we don't come back up to those levels that we had originally set, or the federal government set, we could lose up to fifty billion dollars worth of of um, of, of our, our GDP. So I think we also know that for example international students Death can has uh, has uh, posted that international students bring in 21 billion dollars annually and so if our borders remain closed uh, i it's, so it's not just about students studying because they can do that abroad now and i know from one of our directors who who is at one of the universities she said that enrollment is is off the charts um international student enrollment is off the charts but most of that is right now right would be Um, studying virtually from abroad. Mm -hmm. And so we, we also want those folks to come into Canada not only to study here, but to work here and to consume goods and pay taxes and all of those things. So the economic effect is is significant. Uh and, and just want to go back to what you also mentioned initially about the impact um, on health and just in general. I mean I think again the pandemic has shown how reliant we are on uh immigrants in our front line and in our healthcare sector. I was a director at a uh, very large home health care agency here in Ontario and with over three thousand PSWs and I know from Experience and having spent many years there, that the vast majority are uh, are immigrant, are newcomer, and oftentimes newcomer women. And so, what has happened during this pandemic as well in that sector is. As we had school closures and lockdowns, those folks weren't able to work. So, uh, so here in the very time that we need, right, uh, that that support from PSWs, there was a contraction in the labor market. I mean, there's always too few uh, PSWs, but there was a greater mm-hmm. contraction during the pandemic, because they couldn't, as many is the case for many, couldn't work and take care of their family.
1: Joa. as you said earlier, the pandemic has really brought to light some of these inequities with the immigrant community. The federal government aims to admit 1.2 million permanent residents by 2023. What is your reaction to those goals, given Canada's birth rate has been flat for
2: years? I think it's the business case for immigration in some sectors or sometimes still needs to be made. But I think also, as I mentioned, that RBC report mm-hmm. is quite clear again in, in showing the economic impact of uh, of having immigrants and the fact that if we want our economy to grow and if we want our, uh, you know, aging parents to be taken care of or ourselves to be taken care of, this is critical. And so the the upcoming, the announcements of the levels, which, you know, in the next three years, the intent is to bring in more immigrants than we have in previous years. Uh, as a child of an immigrant or immigrant myself, I'm excited about that because mm. I think that it brings, you know, richness and, and diversity, but it is also... Not just the, the right thing to do from a normative standpoint, it's, it's, it's smart business sense. We do to your point. We have not produced enough children for decades. And so, as I always like to say, unless every Canadian who you know, can goes out and produces 0. 0.6 more uh, of, of a person, mm-hmm. we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. This is math. This is not something right invented. This is math. We needed to have a birth replacement rate of two point two and we have been for years at one point six. So so Adam, I mean it's it's about our ability to enjoy in some ways our, our standards of life as citizens. And then it is about the ability to, to yes, to have things um, have things done and, and con- contributors to our tax base. And so, if we want our country to flourish, if we want our businesses to flourish, we need them. I mean, we know now with you know in certain sectors like i t sector, they always have also had challenges finding enough talent, but with border closures that has only increased, and yet there's a rising demand because of the more virtual digitization. That we've gone through in many sectors that previously may not have been as as quick on it. In the last year, we know that there's you know even greater demand for certain skill sets, and those skill sets are currently not in our country. Um, and last but not least, I, I think there's also the interesting perspective that we, in in many uh, relationships, we need to reflect, or in our organizations, we would need to reflect the society in which we live so whether across the country you know we have a greater diverse population and certainly in the GTA we have an extremely diverse population and so you want your you know internal organization to reflect the external society we want our public sector to you know to reflect the citizens you know that they're serving mm-hmm. so i think you know there's so many reasons um that you know, at some point in time, I always say it's hard to argue or or good luck arguing the 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 world is flat, right? That Earth is flat, and I think the need for immigration in Canada is is becoming close to that. To argue against it, it's like arguing that the world, you know, the Earth is flat.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um. So given everything that that we've discussed, and I, I want to touch on on something that you mentioned a little bit. Earlier is is what supports do new immigrants need in order to be able to immediately and significantly contribute to this country? What role does various levels of government have to play in that? And is this the 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 opening up and the 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 economic recovery following uh, the coronavirus pandemic? What kind of opportunity does that present to help? uh the the immigrant community, the recent immigrant community in the country
2: so I think it's government and the corporate sector, right, so I don't think i everything is always sort of the responsibility of the government. I think there's all of us perhaps have a have a role to play in this, and certainly from the government side, you know continuing to provide pre settlement services, so how can we prepare? those who have been um, invited to apply for permanent residency, how can we prepare them before they even land? How can they come to understand, you know, what what what, it, what is Canada all about? When I land, where do I go? Who can help me? All sorts of pre-arrival services. And then when they're here, you know, continuing to provide that support. Uh, and we don't provide direct service, in essence, to to immigrants but having those you know community partners and those settlement agencies across the country where they can turn and it's it's about employment but it's also just about social service i mean i know If you've traveled abroad as well, Adam, I I find one of the most humbling things is always trying to understand the transit system in a new country, in a new city. It's it's different everywhere, right? And you always feel kind of foolish because you think you should be able to figure it out, but it's, it's tough. And these all become stressors and, you know, if you're bringing a family, how to enroll your children in school. So all of those settlement pieces, you know, is where I think it's incumbent upon us as a country to help people. On the, uh, then, as we're looking at employment services, and this is where we partner then with employers to do a couple of things in our community partners. One is our, as I mentioned, the track mentoring program. It's been shown to be very effective in providing that confidence and the know-how for immigrants to, you know, find employment. Uh, within a shorter span of time than if we didn't have this intervention uh, in, in settling into our labor market, which is great. It also, on the on employer side, we also helped them understand how to scale and how to be an inclusive workplace. And that was our last report, or last report, the report we released on March 3rd really focused on that. How do we create an inclusive workplace and who are the actors, so to speak, that are that are critical in doing so. And that's both middle management, which sometimes is overlooked in the discussion or it's just assumed they know how to do it, and then leadership executive support and how how what is the accountability? The responsibility of executives. So I think that then and then there's sort of our social dynamics. Right. What does each one of us do? What does each one of us do? Or you know, if you belong to a church group or a community group, what are we doing in order to help uh, new newcomers feel welcome in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our school system? So I think that you know, every sort of sector or factor in society has a role to play, and in its government, its employers, its agencies like Triac our mission as i said is really and we are 95 percent immigrant uh led our employee base is 95 percent you know immigrants ourselves so we really live that passion every day about how do we help newcomers integrate into the labor market
1: for those executives and managers what's been the catalyst in their paradigm shift around making their workplaces more immigrant inclusive
2: i think for, and some of the leaders who are also champions of TRIAC, they themselves come from an either equity seeking group or an under represented group. And so uh, they may be immigrants themselves, they may come from, they may be racialized, they may uh, come from the LGBTQ community. So there's already so as more and more folks have risen into leadership, there's, a, there's that self-acknowledgement or that recognition, right? That, mm. that They um, can change things for others, so to speak. Beyond that, uh, even whether representative, representative of a group or not, a lot of leaders, and that's where I come back to sort of the business case, realize that this is not just a normative, it's a nice thing to do, it is the right business move. Right? Because you're not able to fulfill the pipeline, your talent pipeline. If you can't fill your talent pipeline, you can't execute on your, you know, if we're talking private sector, right? You can't Mm -hmm. make enough money to, to, for your stakeholders, shareholders. So it, it's, it's really now become evident to many executives that it is uh, not only the right thing to do, but it is the smart thing to do. The the experience by immigrants when they come to this country is not just related or does not just impact that individual, right, that immigrant professional. And I certainly can speak from this from family experience as well. If they've come with a spouse or they come with children, the experience they have actually is a family experience. It's a family dynamic. And so, you know, the the plight of or the difficulty or challenges of being unemployed or underemployed actually impacts family health. And so, I think that's something that we need to take into consideration as well. Is that we're we're talking about sort of you know the next generation also and that's why you see so many second and third generation immigrant children just really striving 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 right because we saw also the struggles of our parents and they came here to provide children you know with many more opportunities and now we feel it like really incumbent upon ourselves to not only make those opportunities happen but seize them when they come along
1: This Is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast.
0: You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca and on Twitter at thisiswhy.
1: If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and stay home. We'll see you soon.